now by those hoes. Inviting me down there on such short notice. Even if I wanted to go, my schedule wouldn't allow it. Four o'clock, wallow in self-pity. Four thirty, stare into the abyss. Five o'clock, solve world hunger. Tell no one. Five thirty, jazzercise. Six thirty, dinner with me. I can't cancel that again. Seven o'clock, wrestle with myself, loathing. I'm booked. Of course, if I want the loathing to nine, I could still be done in time to lay in bed, stare at the ceiling, and slip slowly into madness. But what would I wear? That's awesome. Hey, I want to welcome all of our campuses to week two of our new series entitled Crazy Finding Calm in the Chaos. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us. So good to have you guys. The South Shore, Gulf Coast, Baton Rouge, online. Love it, love it. Every year... Uh, We do a five-week series during this month of August going up to Labor Day, and often we'll find a theme uh, that's appropriate to kind of going back to school. It's interesting. I had a conversation with somebody recently, and here's what I said actually in the spring. I said, I can't wait until the summertime because it'll be a lot less hectic. How many know that's not true? The fact of the matter is that every season that we're in, there's always complexity, there's always challenges, there's always obligations. Matter of fact, I'll just think about this. Those of you that have children and you brought to church today, just for your kids to get dressed and to get to church on time. How many of you know that's parting the Red Sea? You know what I'm talking about. How can you put two socks in a dryer and only one is there when you open it up? Where did the other one go? To hell. I don't know where the other sock went just to get to church on time. The fact of the matter is that all of us, man, all of us have expectations, all of us have obligations and pressures in life today. I want to talk to you today about stress and time management from the Bible. What does the Bible say about stress and time management? I do want to say uh, to all of our campuses, next week I'm going to be talking about prayer in the Holy Spirit. How through the presence of God that that we can listen, we can be in a storm all around us, but there's a place of secret prayer where we can find the presence of God and we can rest in the presence of God. Listen, that can bring a calm in the chaos. You don't want to miss next week. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. You know, when I begin to think about this week about the concept of stress, time management from the Bible, listen, I get it. I know in my own life, whether it's personal or professional, all the expectations that are on my life. You guys have the same thing. We all have that. Had a conversation with a guy one time. Again, I was getting ready to teach the book of Revelation. He said this to me. He said, Pastor, I am so glad you guys are teaching uh, the book of Revelation because I'm ready to get out of here. In other words, I'm ready for the rapture. I said, well, listen, I believe in the return of Christ. I said, but I don't think it's the proper motive motive for us to want to get out of here is because we're not winning down here. In other words, we've got to learn how to navigate life and not try to escape life. We've got to learn. Jesus said, we are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. What happens when light's taken out of the world? Are y'all with me? So in other words, we've got to figure this thing out. Listen, I want to just say this. You do not have to burn out. You do not have to brown out. You do not have to fry out, wig out. You do not. You can learn how to manage stress appropriately according to the Bible. Every single one of us deal with it. I deal with it. You guys deal with it. Paul the Apostle has some, I believe, uh, keen wisdom for us on how to do this thing called life God's way. 
There's two wisdoms out there. There's the wisdom of God and there's the wisdom of the world. Listen to what Paul said related to time. Watch this. Here's what Paul said. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. Paul said, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, notice the comparison. Not as unwise, but as wise. Now notice the context. So he's talking about how to have wisdom, how to walk in wisdom. But notice the context in which he's telling us to exercise wisdom. He's talking about it in the context of time and opportunity. Listen to what he says. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Here it is, verse 16. He says, making the most of every, what's this word? Come on, say it. Now, in the King James Bible, I think the New King James Bible, it says this, redeeming the time. I want to talk to you about two different Greek words for time. You can leave that scripture up. Two different Greek words for time, all right, that this is translated from. Number one is the Greek word chronos. The Greek word chronos is where we get chronology from, right? It's, 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 it's one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, rock. Four o'clock, five o'clock. I'm just seeing if you're up. Come on, give me some life in church. Four, five, six. Okay, so there's a linear progression, right? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all right? So, so that is, everybody say it. What does that Greek word say it? Chronos. That's where we get chronology. There's a second Greek word for time. And it's not the word chronos, it's the word kairos. And the word kairos is where we are, watch this, we are to take advantage of strategic opportunities. Paul is using that word right here. He says, make the most. In other words, take advantage of every opportunity. What opportunity? That opportunity that you have with your son or your daughter when maybe they haven't been talking much and you've been praying for an open door and and they open their heart up. That's an opportunity. There's an opportunity maybe at work where you've been praying for somebody and man, you've been really praying the right opportunity to have a spiritual discussion with them and and one day at lunch, they open their heart. That's a, that's a God. Here it is. That's a God opportunity. The issue is, is somebody there positioned, watch this, as a son or daughter of God, is somebody in a position ready to take advantage of that God opportunity? See, this is a different evaluation of time. time listen, we are not just existing, killing time. You ever heard that? You ever heard that concept before? Just, we're just killing time. How I many know, as a believer, we don't kill time. We maximize our time. We take advantage of our time, but we take advantage of those God opportunities. Why is that? Paul said, because the days are what? Come on, say it. Evil. Now that may sound morbid, but the reality is we live in a world, listen, that is desperate, that's broken. And what is God doing? God is looking for men and women of God, all right, that are led by the Holy Spirit. They can take, uh, they can take advantage of God opportunities. What? Personally, professionally, kingdom impact ways, where we are in a position to take, we're in a position to take advantage, advantage of what God brings before us, to bring kingdom increase, to bring kingdom impact. In other words, to push the ball down the field. So there's two unique things here. Number one, are we in position? Are we walking in wisdom? My question is this, are we walking in wisdom? Are we living life just out of our own reasoning, our own common sense, what we think is good? Yeah, I think this is good. Or are we really seeking to have the wisdom from above? There is two wisdoms. There's God's wisdom and there's worldly wisdom. I want to live with God's wisdom. How about you guys? I want to have a biblical perspective. I want to have a biblical worldview and I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Again, next week I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit bringing peace and calm in the midst of a storm. 
But we can have God's wisdom or we can operate out of our wisdom. When we live in God's wisdom, we're able to take advantage of opportunity and we're able to manage our time better. I wrote this statement down. I want everybody to hear it. I said, every minute counts to make the most of every opportunity and to value our time appropriately. We must actively manage and bring order to our schedules so we can live productive, meaningful lives. But here's the caveat. But... If we don't properly manage our time and opportunities, we live stressed. If we don't manage stress properly, we make, watch us, we make make decisions of less qualitative nature. In other words, we make poor decisions. Why is that? Because we're stressed. How many of you know, none of us make good decisions when we're freaked out. We get adrenalized. It shuts down our higher critical thinking skills and we make stupid decisions. Why? Because we're stressed. Stress is a big deal. That's why we've got to get a hold of this. We've got to learn. Listen, we can't press a button and and eliminate all stress, but we can manage stress. I want to say it again. You don't have to live burned out. You don't have to live fried out. You don't have to. It's not a rite of passage. I was in a conversation with a guy one time. He says, and I talked about when I burned out at 41. I said, oh, I did that before. That's not cool. That's not a rite of passage into somehow you're a successful person. We can do it differently if we do it God's way. If we have God's wisdom, if we have God's mindset in this, Paul, the apostle says that we can be positioned to take advantage. Listen, I want to say a statement. I know it's a radical statement. I'm trying to to, to hang upon a word and to shift something because to make a point. All right, here it is. I believe this. I want everybody to hear me at all of our campuses. I believe we are one nation under stress. I really believe that. You look at the statistics. You look at what's going on in people's minds and their hearts. You look at what's going on in culture. Why? Because the stress levels, here's the problem. As the stress levels have increased, the health of our souls have decreased. Why is that? If Paul the Apostle 2,000 years ago is talking about how to navigate life based upon the complexities of life, how much more do we today? The technological advances, all of the things, the mobility of society, the velocity of life. Life is coming at us. We used to create waves. Now waves are hitting us. Do you know there's a difference? And the reality is, how do we navigate through this maze? I'm going to give you one more time the definition of stress, and then we're going to jump into this. If you weren't here last weekend, here's my definition. Stress is the pressures of life, right? We can't exempt, we can't push a button and get out of those. The issue is, and how we perceive those pressures, how we believe and react to those pressures, and how we cope with those pressures. Do we try to medicate the pain that comes from chronic stress through unhealthy lifestyle choices? Whether it's overdoing this, overdoing this, overutilizing this substance. In other words, how are we coping with these pressures? How are we dealing with the pain that's attended to all of life's stressors? We all have mechanisms. The issue is, are we doing it with God's wisdom or are we doing it with man's wisdom? Stress. I began to speak about it last week. I'll say it again. Stress impacts our mind. It impacts our emotional level. It impacts our body. Now, I know this is a radical statement. There are 1,400 Yes, I didn't read it wrong. There's 1,400 known physical and chemical reactions in our body to stress. That's a lot. I don't believe that we realize the impact. There is a healthy level of stress, I understand that, that causes us to accomplish things, that causes us to grow physiologically in the gym. I get that. I'm talking about chronic stress. That unhealthy level of, uh, of stress that comes at you every day. And you, and you feel like, I've got to get out of here. I don't know what I've got to do. And here's the deal. You can move geography, but how many know you bring the stress with you? 
And this is an internal thing. How you believe, how you receive, how you, how you perceive what's happening in your life. Do we see it from God's perspective? Do we see it from bottom up or from top down? The reality is, is there's a chemical that we're all very familiar with. I talk about it from time to time in church. It's what, 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 what medical people would call, it's a fight or a flight hormone. It's called adrenaline. You guys know adrenaline. We all are very familiar with it. And adrenaline is that surge that we get physiologically that causes us to amp up, to accomplish this insurmountable task or to close this deal or to, 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 to study for this test. The problem is, is this, God has not designed any of us to live infused with constant adrenaline surges. It costs the mind, the body, and the soul. Why is that? Why is it, Pastor, that we consistently, listen, drink from the well of adrenaline when we know, when we know that there are long-term negative impacts of that? I'll tell you why. Because we love it. We love the feeling of buoyancy. We love the feeling of self-sufficiency. We love that utopic feeling of feeling powerful when our body is surging with with adrenaline. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a cost to it. I sat this week with um, February, or actually the summer of 2010, and um, when I went through my time, and I remember at the end of it, the, the counselor told me, he said, Steve, it's real simple. You are addicted to adrenaline. So here's what you do. You're so addicted to it. You love solving problems. You love dealing with crisis that if there's not crisis around you, you have a tendency to want to create a problem so that you can solve a problem. Anybody can relate to that? Anybody as unhealthy as I used to be? Come on now. You, you got This is church. You got to be honest in church. The problem is, here's the problem. The problem is you and I, that's an unsustainable lifestyle. It's an unhealthy lifestyle. By the way, the Holy Spirit leads adrenaline drives. The Holy Spirit leads us beside still waters. Adrenaline drives us. And I know what happens to some of you type A personalities. Man, things are going on. I can feel it. You feel the surge. You feel the surge. Nothing wrong every now and then. But the next day you feel the surge. You feel the Nothing wrong with that. But then the next day, the same thing. The same thing. The same. I'm telling you, it's taking a toll on your mind, body, and spirit. Why is it? Why is it that we consistently go down that road? I want to talk to you today about principles for maximizing time and limiting life stressors so that we can live healthy in our souls, so that we can, listen, utilize the chemicals that God's placed in our body in a natural way, not overuse them, but we can do it God's way. God knows how life works best. Christianity is not just about, listen, love Jesus, get your sins forgiven, you go to heaven one day, but live in hell on earth. That's not Christianity. This Bible's practical. God wants you to win in the here and now. God wants you to move forward professionally. God wants you to be successful in your relationships. God wants you to be reasonably prosperous, having your soul, mind, body, and spirit in a good place. Listen, this book is not just talking about how to get you to a place of eternity where you live with Jesus forever, but it gives you practical wisdom how you can succeed in life with God in the here and now. How many are grateful for this book? Come on. I want to talk to you about three different things, three different things that I believe will help all of us to maximize our time and to minimize life stresses. I want to talk to you today, and I've taught this before, but I'm going to reintroduce this and I'm going to give you a couple of new things. I want to talk to you about margin, seasons, and priorities. Margin, seasons, and priorities. Let me just say this. What's more important, pastor, water, air, or food? All of them. What is more important to understand margin? Mm, By itself alone, 
Well, what about seasons by itself alone priorities? All three of these will help us because here's what I believe. I believe that we are looking. It's not about just a time issue. It's a margin issue, a season issue and a priority issue. Margin, season, and priorities. If you have your notes at all the campuses, I'm going to ask you to take them out. I want to talk to you about the first principle, understanding margin. We're talking today about how to, listen, reduce stress and maximize our time. How do we reduce stress and maximize? Not kill time, but maximize. Number one, the principle of margin. What is margin? I wrote this down every day, and every one of us, We have to see that we are designed. We're designed by God with limits, with capacities and boundaries. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Here's what Paul said. Paul said, we, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the what? Say this word. Say it. Limits. Now, I want to pause there for a moment. I think this is important. Paul says that he operated apostolically within limits. Now, there's a certain dichotomy attached to this as a Christian because we understand that God has put so much in us. We want to we break barriers. We want to go past things. We want to we, we, we achieve, and, and that's a good and a healthy thing. The issue is, though, we cannot lose sight of the fact that God has also designed us with certain limits, not as a negative, but as a positive. One was given five talents. One was, the issue is, while there's so much more for us to do, we still have to understand that there's a design to our lives. Paul said, I want to operate within the limits of the sphere in which God appointed me, a sphere especially which includes you. I wrote this down. Paul is saying, I know my sphere. I know my limitations. I know my boundaries and my capacity. Paul understood that he had limits. He wasn't Superman. He had limits. Now, I want to say to all of our educational people, and I think there's a certain healthy side to this, but there's a truth side to this that a kid at some point needs to figure this out. When we tell a 10-year-old, you can do anything, you can accomplish, you can be anything, there's a truth to that. But the reality is, as they grow in life, they have to understand God has still given them boundaries. God has still given them gifts and talents. So in one sense, you can be anything. I understand on the range of opportunity with the menu of opportunity, but the reality is every single one of us, we're still given capacities. We have to understand that. See, the the deal is when we stand before Christ one day, he's not going to say, well done, thy good and faithful, or well done, thy good and successful servant. Well done, you were the best on the whole block. Well done, you were the smartest kid in your whole school. It's well done, you were faithful. Faithful to what? Faithful to be? Faithful to do what God called you to be and do. Are y'all with me? Paul said he had limits. Now, why is that important for us as Christians? I'll tell you why that's important. It's because we have to understand that we have a certain capacity. I, now, I didn't like this conversation in my 30s. I thought I can do everything. I can be. I can achieve. It, nobody can hold me down. I'm going to. Yeah, but the reality is, is that I had to understand that I have a capacity. You have a capacity. Now, here's how it works. Here's how margin works. Everybody say Load. And everybody say limit. Okay, so our load is our responsibilities, our obligations, the things that we're carrying, all right? That's that's our load. Our limit is our God-divine capacity. The issue is when you have more load than limit, you're called in an overload situation. And when you're overloaded in a situation, guess what? It's not long before your tires blow out and you wreck. 
That's why it's important for us to understand our load and our limitation because we want to have more limits than load because if we have more load than limits, we overload. We want to have some margin. Everyone say margin. In other words, we don't want to spend everything we make so that we can have some what? Say a margin financially. We want to not spend all of our emotional energy. We want to have some margin. We want to make sure that we have capacity left over because when we get overloaded, that's when bad things happen. This takes wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. It's the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of the world. One of the ways, one of the ways that we can understand this, let me give you an example. When you look at a book, when you look at a book, what if you looked at a book and there was a word on every single page of the book, on every single part of the book, and there was no margins? How many know that wouldn't be aesthetically pleasing to look at? How many know that's how some of our lives look? Come on, pastor, raise your hand too. It's like, ah, why is that? Because we have no what? Say it, margin. Now, let me give you one way to build margin in your life. All right, here it is. By the way, one of the first words that a kid ever says, it's one of the things they forget. Here it is. One of the first words, I want everybody to pull this up. Learn to say, come on, say it. No. First word a kid learns, first word he says, I don't know where he gets it from God, the devil, or his flesh, but he says it. Mine, it's the first word, knows the second one, and then mom. Come on, dads. Come on, dads. It's, it's mine, it's no, and then it's mom. Here it is. Learn to say, come on, say it. No to the many, come on, say it. Good things so that we can say yes to the best things. Isn't it interesting in our lives when we grow and we mature, we forget to use that word no. Why? Because of ego needs to be significant. Because we can show everybody that we can do anything. Because of the because the interpersonal relationship skills that we learned as a kid and we somehow learned societal mores and norms that when you see somebody in public and they ask you, what's been going on? What are you doing? How are you? Here's how it goes. How you doing? Good. Right? Nobody, you're passing, how you doing? Good. Nobody. We were trained. We were, we were discipled by our family, by culture. We were trained. It's socially kind and respectful to say, good. You don't want to say to somebody, how are you doing? Not good. Because that is going to then beckon them to dive down to emotional issues that nobody wants to deal with. The second thing you're supposed to say is good. And they say, well, what you been doing? Man, I tell you one thing. I've been really what? Come on, say it. Busy, right? Nobody wants to say, not much. Because if you say that, you're basically a loser. You haven't been doing much. You're unproductive thing you. You ought to go to heaven right now. I mean, come on. Are y'all with me or not? Haven't been doing much. So you want to say, it's two things. How are you doing? Good. What's been going on? Lots. Big, big, busy. Basically, what you're saying is, is you're saying, I'm successful. I'm prosperous. I'm a productive human being. And look at all the things that's going on in my life based upon the fact that I've just told you. Now, here's the reason why that's a problem. The problem is language enters into that. And then we have an inability because we trap ourselves to ever say no. Because when we can't say no, why is that? So we are on every team. Our kids are on everything. We're on every little deal. We're on every little deal. Why? Because the more that we're involved with, the more that we feel successful, the more we feel powerful, and the more we can tell people that we're busy. Hold on one second. That's pretty deep preaching, Pastor. It's pretty deep preaching. Why, why am I saying that? Now, let me just tell everybody. I want to help everybody at every campus because there's immediately people that dismiss what I'm saying. Number one, they say, well, that's not true. And number two, you're right. I need to take church out of my life. Time out. 
The average American is spending 28 hours a week looking at screens outside of work. I'm not talking about reading emails for work. I'm talking about looking at screens. In other words, you're looking at Facebook. Let me just say this. I'm going to help everybody say it respectfully. I'm a pastor. I understand that an under-shepherd of Jesus. Who cares what your neighbor ate for lunch two weeks ago? Who cares? It means nothing. Sorry, I just had to get that out. Are y'all okay with me? I haven't been to a counselor in a while. I just had, it was kind of cathartic. I just wanted to get that out. So don't say, we, don't have, we got so much to do, we can't go to church. No, the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Are you with me? Well, Pastor, you understand, I've got Saints tickets, got LSU tickets, I got this tickets, I got that ticket, I got, and so you understand, I've got needs. And I've got all these different things going on in those. Learn to say, to put technology boundaries on your life. Put other boundaries, but don't say no to God. Are y'all with me? And let me just say this. Let me say another thing. When, uh, when we have kids at home, all right, we have kids at home, we, we can't allow all of their activities to cause us to lose our peace. And those are some tough conversations. But we've got to, we've got to, there's got to be some negotiation. Because this is important. We've got to learn. We've got to have boundaries, all right? Well, this is real popular preaching in church. Number two, the second thing is, everybody say margin. Number two, everybody say seasons. All right, this is very big. Here it is. I'm talking about maximizing our time, all right, and maximizing our God opportunities. If you don't have any margin, you can't take advantage of opportunities that come across your path. Number two, if you're so stressed out, it shuts down your higher critical thinking skills because you're over-adrenalized and you can't even make proper decisions. I know I can't. So we got to understand margin, but we also have to understand seasons, seasons. Wisest man that ever lived said this, Ecclesiastes chapter three, his name is Solomon. Here's what he said. To everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, kill and a time to heal. A time to break down, a time to build up. What's Solomon saying? There's an ebb and flow to life. There will be busy seasons. There will be slow seasons. There will be building seasons. There will be times to cut back. I'm going to say this. This is very important. I want everybody to hear this at all the campuses. You and I cannot live in harvest season all the time. When the Bible was written primarily with an agricultural mindset, God wrote, and I want you to think about how God built into the universe. Just think about how things work, the cyclical nature. I believe in a linear progression of time. I don't believe that in reincarnation. I'm not talking about that. I believe that we are in a linear track of time, but I believe that the way things work cyclically are related to growth and maturation. What do I mean by that? Think about the seasons. You have a winter dormant season, then you have spring where there's planting, there's plowing, then the summertime's thing grow, and then in the fall, there's what? It's called what? Harvest. The problem is if you live in harvest all the time, you can neglect the seasons of proper plowing and planting. You may eat from a rich reward one time, but if you don't plant seed in the ground, you're not going to eat from it again. It's the same thing in our own lives. We go through seasons. And if you don't recognize your season, what happens is, is that you, if you think that you're at a harvest time, but you're actually where you need to plant, you're actually reducing and diminishing the level of your harvest next time. We've got to understand seasons. We are in seasons in our life chronologically, but we're in seasons in our life physiologically, maturation, all these things. 
professionally, you're in different seasons at times. Personally, you're in different seasons. Life phases with kids in the home. Things change. Things shift. Let me just tell you. Let me tell you an overrated word in our culture. Balance. Who's really balanced? Healthy is a good word. Balance means that you just, no, no. How about recognizing margin, seasons, and life priorities? Let me give you an example. Let's talk about balance for a moment. If you're in medical school and you're studying, you live an unbalanced life, but you have to recognize it's a season, but you can't live in that forever. Y'all with me? You, you can't, nobody can live in that level of output. It's too much output. It'll begin to burn your brain and your mind. And your, so you've got to understand there's seasons attached to that. But here's the point. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Newlywed couples. Hey, pastor, good to see you. Hey, what y'all doing after church? We're going to go eat and go to the lakefront. What are y'all going to do the lakefront? Whatever we want. We'll walk around for three or four hours and then we're going to go home. What y'all going to do then? Take a nap. How many of y'all would love your, your mat from kindergarten that you despise? How many would you like to take? Wouldn't that be awesome to take a nap today? You kidding me? But you see that same couple three, four, five years later and they have a baby. How's your nap going? Come on. I mean, how much is this? We got to get real. We're in church, right? Then they have another baby. What happens then? Well, that's pretty cool. You can still do man-to-man coverage with two children. You get one. I got one. We just kind of hang out. Then you have a third, right? Zone defense. Come on. I've taught you all this before. Right? Just, it's, we're zone. We can't go man to man. Then you have four or five kids, right? Right? Four or five kids, deep thirds. Just don't get beat deep. Don't get beat deep. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Just don't get beat deep. Just keep the ball in front of you. Just keep it. I don't care what happens in front of me. Just keep it in front of me. All right? You have five or six. You are praying for the rapture. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Don't email me this week. Pastor's against kids. I'm not against kids. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm just, how many you know there's, there's complexities of life? But there's seasons. There's seasons for all of us. We've got to understand. Now, let me give you two things about seasons. Number one, this is important, very important. Don't compare your season. Be careful not to compare your season with those around you. Your season's not my season. My season's not your season. We're all in different seasons, all right? Let me give you an example. I have a good friend who's my age and he's in ministry and he always wants to go places. But the reality is, is that his kids, they had, uh, he and his wife, they had their children very young and they're like young twenties. And so their kids are grown. They're 50 years old. Their kids are 25, 30, 30. And so they're grown. I still have a nine-year-old at home. And I, my, my, I had a son that just graduated from high school. I wanted to make sure that I was home a lot with those boys and my older daughter and involved in their lives. It wasn't, but here, but I still have somebody. So I'm kind of, I got so I got to think about, my season. Your season's not my season. My season's not you. We have to understand. Let me give you another thing about that. Number one, don't compare your season with other, but don't project your season on somebody else. Come on. You can go on vacation with us. Yeah, you're in your 40s. You've accumulated some wealth. They're in their 20s. They're newlywed. They're going to charge it on their credit card so that they can keep up with you. Don't project that on them. Boy, that was good preaching. Y'all didn't like that? We have to recognize where we are in seasons. That's why it's important. I do believe and I espouse the fact that we should have a relationship with older couples. If you're a younger couple, just make sure you're not projecting upon them. Make sure that you understand where everybody is. Let's not compare and let's not project. Let's rejoice in the season that we're in. 
It's interesting, I, my, I might have three, three older children, then we've got a nine or 10 year gap. I always wanted more education, always wanted more education, and, 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 and it was very important to me, but there was a seasonal problem. I, I didn't have the capacity with my older boys. I didn't have the capacity with my daughter. I just, I didn't have it. But now I'm coming into a place. I just turned 50 years old. I don't look it. But anyway, I, and, and I realize that I've got some more capacity. I'm going to go back and I'm starting. I've been planning this for five years to go back and get my doctorate degree starting this fall, September 7th. Why am I doing that? I'm doing that. Let me tell you why. Wait, wait, listen. I don't say that to be prideful. I'm actually going to only require one person to call me doctor, and that's Pastor Randy Craighead. <laughs> I, he's got, and when he approaches me, I'm going, to, I'm going to require that. Okay. But here's my point. I'm just poet. But here's my point. It's not been my, come on, say it, season. Because remember this, everything in life is a trade-off. Everything in life is a trade-off. You may be able to do that, but it's going to cost you over here. Do you, number one, have the capacity and the margin for it? Are y'all with me? And number two, is it your season for it? Let me give you the third and final thing and I'll close. The issue of priorities. Life priorities. That's very, very important about life priorities. We've talked about margin. We've talked about seasons, understanding your priorities. It's important. I wrote this down. It's important to realize that this message is not all about the mechanics of time management. You guys do that real well, right? You can get a Franklin Covey. I don't even know what it is. The planners today and all the different things and the technology and all these different little things. And you can, you, this is not about what do you do at seven o'clock and what do you do at eight o'clock and what do you do not. This is about, this is a bigger macro concept. This is about having God's wisdom and understanding, understanding capacities and load and limit and having God's wisdom and discerning the season that you're in. It's also understanding priorities. And listen to what I'm about to say. I do, listen, I want to encourage you today that we often have a priority problem more than a time problem. See, the fact is, is that hourglass is turned over in everybody's life. The issue is, what are we doing? What are we prioritizing in that hour? And I want to say a couple of things. I want to make sure that when I, when I'm, I'm, I turn 50 years old, I want to make sure that I don't become an old, mean, cynical, caustic preacher. And the reason why that's important to me is, number one, I want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant, but I'm going to have to do some things differently. I'm going to have to make sure, listen, at this phase of my life, just like at 40, I had to make some significant shit. I got to make sure that I'm living out God priorities for my life. Why? Because if not, I'm, 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 I'm doing things I shouldn't be doing, or I'm not doing things that I should be doing. See, here's what happens when you, every year that you live, your runway gets shorter. Are you with me? And you've got to maximize the God opportunities before you. But in order to maximize God opportunities, you've got to understand priorities. What are the priorities that God has for your life? Are you maximizing those priorities? I believe most people end up in areas and places in their life personally and professionally by default, not by design. They end up in a place they never dreamed they'd end up. I'm not talking about sin issues. I'm talking about in, in swamps of unproductive areas. We're like, man, I don't know what happened here. I'll tell you what happened. Go back. A a productive, fruitful, fulfilled, God-honoring life does not happen by accident. It happens by intentionality. We've got to be intentional in our lives. So priorities are important. I believe all of us want to live a life of fulfillment where we're honoring the God dream in our heart. 
We all want to be physically healthy, mentally, emotionally healthy, reasonably prosperous to be able to meet the needs of our family and to be generous to others. I understand that. We all want that. The question is, how do we get there? And I want to suggest to you in my closing minute or two that we've got to learn to live a life of priority. It's priority management. Time will take care of itself. If we, listen, mismanage priorities, time's always a problem. It's always a problem. We always want more hours in the end of the day. It's not a time issue first. It's a priority issue first. If you understand margin, seasons, and priorities, life becomes into focus. Things begin to get tight. You understand. It's like the windows begin clear. It's like, okay, I get it. But if you're always burning out because of a capacity issue, if you're always trying to compare yourself with somebody else or project yourself on somebody else, or if you're not living out God priorities, number one, priority of spiritual health. Number two, priority of mental and emotional health. Three, physical health, my temple, my earthly body. I got to make sure that I'm bringing it across the finish line. So when you guys do push me across the street to Waffle House at one point, I can eat eggs, bacon, and whatever I want. It's an issue of priority. Everyone say priority. Paul said it this way. It wasn't his ministry first. Listen, it wasn't his family first. It wasn't whatever. It was God first. That's why Paul said in Philippians chapter three, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I've got one minute left. I want to say this. When I went through my burnout nine years ago, and I want to say this to all the business people, I don't think it's cool. I don't think it's funny. I don't think it's a rite of passage. I don't think it was, oh, pastor's so productive. I think pastor was so foolish. And it was my pride that put me in that situation. And you don't have to go through that. Thank God that I'm still in ministry today. Thank God, because I was, my brain was just all over the place, burned out. Why? Because of a lack of wisdom. So I had a counselor, but I also got a life coach that really helped me, a Christian man. Two people, actually. I needed a lot of help. Don't laugh. You're more messed up than me. But anyway, so I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm just playing. But two men particularly, and I want to mention one of them, Daniel Harkavy, who is an incredible, godly Christian businessman in Oregon. There are a couple Christians in Oregon. And... Uh, I'm sorry. I got to keep going. This was such a good, positive message, pastor. Keep moving. Keep moving. Anyway, Daniel wrote this book. I want to, I I do not do this. I do this very seldomly, very seldomly. Now you're going to read something in this book, like any book that you may disagree with. Don't write off Daniel because of one line. It's like a message that I teach. All right. Well, there was a message. It was 1999 pastor. I remember it was on a cassette tape. Just come on. Y'all I don't endorse 100% of, every, of anything except the Bible. But I do endorse this book because Daniel taught me something. He and Greg Salsicholi taught me, two guys, how to have a life plan. Everybody say life plan. Okay, let me just say this. Let me say this. If you don't have a life plan, you're not living by priorities. You're living by pressure. You either live by life pressure. You're either, watch this, living by the pressures of all the expectations around you, or you're living by a plan. So number one, margin, seasons, priorities. Priorities are spelled out in a plan. I want to recommend this book. I didn't write the book. I didn't make any money on the book. We don't even sell it at our church. Just go online and you can order this. But with that, I developed a life plan years ago that I have written down in my book that I refer to all, all, all the time. And I live out of it. I live out of my 
the, the, the different categories that I have in my life where I want to be healthy spiritually, emotionally, in my marriage, with my kids, etc., etc. Professional development. I wrote down getting a doctorate 15 years ago. 15 years ago. But I was waiting for the right season in my life. I was wanting to make sure I had enough margin in my life. I was wanting to make sure that I was living out of the priorities of my life. Are y'all with me? This will help you. I want to encourage you. We also as a church, I think that Pastor Danny Mike, again, uh, there's different classes where we'll teach you how to develop a God-honoring lifeline. Here's what I want to believe, and I'll close and say this. Number one, I, want to, I believe this. Number one, you don't have to live burned out. You don't have to live fried out. You can be rested in your soul and highly productive. By the way, the more rested you are, you're actually able to make better decisions and more productive decisions. I'm going to teach you next week about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works and all this, but I believe that God's got a better way. Come on, y'all believe that God's got a better way. God's wisdom. I want you to stand. Let me pray. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward right now, and I'm going to pray for you guys. If you do not know Christ, you're not sure about your relationship with God, we would love to talk to you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If you need prayer for anything, we're here for you as a church. Let me just pray a blessing over you. Father, I thank you for the grace of God. I thank you that your way, your wisdom is better than the world's wisdom. That we can be successful, godly, with godly character, healthy spirit, soul, and body, productive men and women of God, effective in this life, Lord God, for as long as the days that you give us on this earth. We want to fulfill your will. We want to be what you've called us to be. We want to do what you've called us to do. Lord, I pray a blessing over your people. I pray the favor of God over every man, over every woman, over every boy and every girl. May you go forth filled with the power of God and expectation in your heart of becoming and doing all that God created you to be and do. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said.